The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's going on, everybody? RGO Joey here from SB Nation's bloggingtheboys.com. Hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy, and that you are enjoying the Dallas Cowboys being on their bye week. Just because the Cowboys are off does not mean that we are at Blogging the Boys. We are here to have our weekly roundtable discussion on the Blogging the Boys YouTube channel. Make sure you do subscribe. Joining me today is the one and only Dave Sturgio. You hear him every week on the Blogging the Boys podcast network on the Jersey Boys podcast. You can also see him all over Chop Sports, taking over the sports world. Tom Ryle also with us, the legend. You read him at bloggingtheboys.com. You hear him on Riled Up every week on the Blogging the Boys podcast network as well. A late arrival, but we got him in. No worries, everybody. Tony Catalina, who you also read on the pages at bloggingtheboys.com. You hear him on our daily updates on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Cowboys Roundup on the Blogging the Boys podcast network. All these guys are fantastic. They're all handsome. They're all geniuses, and they're all here to have a good time. Uh, Ninja Nut says, what's up, guys? So, Tony, since you're first to join us uh, late, uh, not first, but actually last, if we're being technical here. What's up, Tony? How you been? Hey, man, you know what? I'm living good. Cowboys are 5-1, heading into the bye. I'm feeling real good about it. Okay. The Cowboys are indeed 5-1. and one. Like I said, they're taking the week off, but we're not going to. Sturch, uh, do you feel like you should take the week off, or do you just does your fandom ever take a week off? No, because it's the Dallas Cowboys, and there's always news, no matter what. <laughs> so, you know, 5-1 and one or 1-5, one and five, we're going to – is there's always going to be stuff to talk about so mm, that's true tom uh do you you want the week off while, while we're on the subject no man i think this is a uh, when things are going well there's always more you want to say about the cowboys well that has been the case certainly for the last month and change however today tuesday october 19th which is a great day if you're a fan of the tv show community six seasons in a movie we're still holding out there but um today not a great day for the dallas cowboys in the news department safety demonte kazee arrested we found out early on Tuesday morning, uh, according to the Dallas Morning News and TMZ, who has also shared the story, uh, DeMonte was arrested around the Colony, Texas, uh, at about 3 a.m. over a traffic violation when cops, again, this is according to TMZ's write-up, says that he had shown signs he had been drinking. A spokesperson for the Colony told the Dallas Morning News that uh, DeMonte admitted to an officer he had consumed alcohol before getting behind the wheel. Uh, bail was reportedly set at $2,500, and he was released just afternoon on Tuesday. Tom, we'll start with you. Um, not ideal. Not what you want to hear when, when, when your team is on by. 
It's a pretty simple thing. In fact, earlier on Tuesday on the 750, the show we have with Tony Casillas, Tony said that, you know, one of the last things that coaches would tell him when they would have their meetings was don't do anything that you shouldn't be doing. Don't be in the news. Don't whatever. Just go rest. Get ready because we're going to be back to work next week. But, Tom, uh, not a great start for the Cowboys to the off week. Yeah, it's like maybe we had it too good for a while. We had gone all off season without anything really along these lines, which has become almost a too predictable occurrence with the Cowboys. So, yeah, uh, maybe this is just finally the odds caught up with us because, you know, when you look across the NFL at the ages of the players, there's some people that, that make bad decisions all over the, all over the league. Um, yeah, I wish it hadn't have happened. Uh, I, I tried to take a quick look. This may come with a three game suspension if I read the CBA correctly, but I was really skimming through trying to find information. So it may depend on, and it may have, be something that has to happen after he goes to court. So we don't really know exactly how this is going to shake out, how it's going to affect the team. The good news is the Cowboys have safety depth. So that is from a team perspective. All right. Everything you said is true, Tom, generally speaking. And I think that's an important word is generally because oftentimes the NFL, you know, acts the way they want to. There is no real ever uh, following of precedence or, you know, operating within accordance of how they've, they've rolled before. Um, the NFL, as, as we all know, as we've all learned several different times, is the judge, the jury, the executioner, um, lots of, you know, every single role in this particular capacity belongs to the league itself. Eli Perkins, thank you for the super chat. Everybody give Eli a round of applause. I need BTB through the week. Keeps me sane. We need you, Eli. We need everyone. Uh, if you haven't, please subscribe here to the Blog on the Boys YouTube channel. Subscribe to our podcast network. You can also listen to this show on our podcast network. You can hear all these guys and their beautiful baritone voices all throughout the week. <laughs> Obviously, you can check everybody out at blogontheboys.com as well. Uh, Sturge, James Gary says this will be a non-factor. Again, I think that based off of historical trends throughout the NFL and recent NFL history, Look, we're not, let's be clear here. Nobody's condoning what, what happened here with DeMonte. But if we're looking at the, the situation and then the potential hypothetical result as it relates to DeMonte's ability to play football for the Dallas Cowboys, Sturge, recent history would suggest that that's not going to be impacted, at least in 2021. Maybe it is a situation where after the legal process plays itself out, like Tom said, he suspended for the first three games of 2022, something like that. But that isn't a problem for this season for the Dallas Cowboys on the football field. Yeah, I mean, look, like you said it, uh, I think you it was the quote on blogging the boys Instagram. It's just not ideal. It's not an ideal situation. It's not ideal for timing. The Cowboys are rolling right now and everybody's feeling themselves a little bit. And I even thought they were feeling themselves a little too much in the first half of the, the New England game. But um, I, I, yeah, it's not an ideal situation for this kid. And unfortunately, you would just hope that like, you know, uh, the Cowboys, what, what I've seen so far out of this team is a lot of camaraderie, a, a lot of, uh, you know, just everybody's really close, you know. So, I honestly, I hope they the team rallies around this kid. And, and if, if for whatever reason seems to be problematic, just be there for him. You know what I mean? Like, and rally around this kid and be like, look, you messed up. Own it. We'll figure this out. Let the legal process take its course, and we'll go from there. As far as a non-factor is concerned, it's it's never good to to have it in the news, you know. It's the stuff you don't want to read. 
Um, but on a personal level for him, you know, you just hope that everything's all right. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Sturge. I think that, you know, this this locker room is definitely one that, that seemingly will support him, will will kind of help him through through whatever process has to play itself out. Uh, but you're right, not ideal. Uh referring to, to people as kids, that's a real Sturch move right there. From from little Sturch, I should say, uh, by the way. But Sturch, you're the kind of guy that people want to foxhole with him. You're the kind of guy I'd want to be on a softball team with. I know Sturch, you're uh you're always on on the field yourself getting those dubs uh, up in the Jersey area. Yeah. Uh Tony, DJ Dog 31 says Kazee went to the rookie dinner last night and Hopefully, just got caught making a minor traffic traffic violation, and that's all it was. I said, hopefully, um, you know, Tony. I, I think you know it is what it is. The report is what it is. The Dallas Morning News teams yell all over this. Um, do you, Tony? This is a different angle to this, but you were late, so I'll give you the hardest question. Um, do you do you trust Mike McCarthy to handle this? Do, do you you know do you trust because uh, where is the comment here from James says the culture is different? Do you buy that? Do, do you really believe that that the culture is different? Responsibility is different. Peer to peer responsibility. I mean, what do you make of it? Um, yeah, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, every case is case by case, right? I mean, you're going to handle each individual player um, in its own merit in that situation, that time. So you're not really, you know, maybe Mike McCarthy handles certain things, certain ways, you know, historically, but you look at the Monte KZ as a person, you look at the relationship, you know, Dan Quinn brought him in as one of his guys. So I wonder how that plays into it. And, um, you know, does Dan Quinn feel disappointed? Does this team kind of look at him? Like I said, they kind of did look at him as a defensive leader there for a little bit. And, you kind of just, you take it all in. We, we, you know, this is instant reaction and you don't want to knee jerk or overreact, but you just kind of see how this thing plays out. And, um, you know, as far as this situation, I don't think anybody here is going to be like, whatever Mike McCarthy does here is going to be the pivotal move for the rest of the season. Cause at the end of the day, um, DeMonte KZ is an important part of this team, but is the important part of this future? Like what happens? You know what I mean? From beyond this year, what do we know? So it's, you know, you take it for what it is. It's not ideal, but when you move on, you see what they do. I think that's well said. I mean, and I think you've all kind of touched on this. There's no need to have a knee jerk reaction. There's no need to have a take. Uh, you know, it's just, the, the situation is what it is. The Cowboys have a buy. They'll take things day by day to, to cite their old head coach. Uh, but certainly, you know, we, um, you know, we, we just kind of all, Got to see it, the process play itself out. Uh, thank you to my dog, Bear. Uh, Tom, do you agree with this uh, this general disposition? Yeah, uh, I, I we got to wait and see, get, get more of the story, get the full details out, make sure we know exactly what happened. I did see in some of the comments that the Cowboys had their rookie dinner last night, and somebody thought Casey was coming back from that. If that's so, then somebody needs to talk to the staff that they were not more on top of this and making sure some steps were being taken not to let people get, get out and get in their vehicle and drive. However, we've got a long time. And, um, you know, unless they go to the special Dallas Cowboys section of the discipline policy, it'll be a while before we really know how this happens. You know, of course they could whip out that unique part that was authored apparently by John Mara and slap an immediate seven game suspension on Ezekiel Elliott to go along with it. Um, I, uh, Tom, you're, you're in a mood, uh, Tom. It's great. Great to have you here. Um, as always, uh, shout out to John Mara and, uh, his supremely incompetent New York football giants, uh, both on and off the field in many different ways. Um, I do want to say that 
24 hours ago, DeMonte had really, I think, endeared himself um, to a lot of Cowboys fans. Sturge, you mentioned Instagram. He took to Instagram uh, to kind of own up for the Kendrick Bourne 75-yard touchdown, and that sparked this debate, you know, among Cowboys fans, whether he was at fault, Trayvon Diggs was at fault, et cetera. But, you know, in terms of on-field action, DeMonte had really checked a lot of boxes for a lot of people so far this season. So this really is just an unfortunate incident. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and as far as that play is concerned, I, I'm still in the firm belief that both of those guys pulled up to not lay a kill shot on Bourne. So you, you hate everybody. Everybody, do, Everybody's wrong except for everybody. Sturge. You're the everybody's only perfect wrong. person. I got it. <laughs> yes, that's, that's true. Next. <laughs> um, on the subject, Sturge, that's how I wanted to segue. And I'll stick with you uh, because let's be frank, Tony, Tom, I mean no disrespect, but neither of you are the homer that, that Dave Sturgeo is when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> um, and so this is something that is, I don't want to say been driving me up a wall, but something that has kind of been brewing and bubbling inside of me for the last couple of weeks. And here we sit with the Cowboys having won five games in a row. Uh, a bit of a spoiler alert tomorrow, uh, not tomorrow, Thursday, on Thursday's episode of the Ocho on the Blog of the Voice Podcast Network, uh, Bob Stern from The Ticket and The Athletic will join me, and I'm excited to poke his brain when it comes to this subject. So we'll have a further fleshed-out discussion there. Uh, but Sturch, why isn't Mike McCarthy getting any credit for the team's success? If you follow me on Twitter, uh, you know, every Monday, every day after the Cowboys win a game is Victory Polo Monday. I like to share some tweets with people wearing their polos. Somebody sent me a photo on Monday and said this team is five and one despite having one of the worst head coaches in the NFL. Uh, you know, we, we can sit here. We can we can talk about how Dak Prescott is firmly in contention for MVP. How Trayvon Diggs is firmly in contention for Defensive Player of the Year. How Micah Parsons is firmly in contention for Defensive Rookie of the Year. How Dak Prescott's also firmly in contention for Comeback Player of the Year. So, like, how can all this be true? The Cowboys can, can be this incredibly efficient offense when it comes to DVOA and EPA and all these measurable, you know, particular data points. But Mike McCarthy just gets nothing. I mean, I, I don't understand how Mike McCarthy gets no semblance of credit for what this team has done. Um, I think it goes back to his days in Green Bay, you know, wondering like why a guy in all world talent like Aaron Rodgers didn't lock up more than one Lombardi. You know, he's one of the best to ever do it. Why isn't he, you know, why isn't he a multiple multiple time champion? And now he's with the Dallas Cowboys last year. He, that's a mulligan for me. I would never discredit McCarthy for anything that happened last year, considering all the factors, you know, no deck, no line Zeke's fumbling. It was just a, the defense was a mess. You know, he hired his buddies. You know what I mean? That was a right off the rip. People were like, well, you know, he's hiring these guys that might not fit the mold. Now it's now you're you're hiring a new staff, which I'll give full credit for for that. Right. But I think every time something good happens with the Dallas Cowboys, whether the in game during the week results, whatever, there's always something that like triggers the people out there, including myself. You know, there's been times where I'm just like, why you, you went for it a million times? Why are we kicking a field goal here? And, you know, he goes back to the analytics and nobody wants to hear analytics anymore. That's the, that's the most annoying word. I, no, and, I totally want to hear analytics. And, and you Mike, might. Mike McCarthy is woke to this. Like, he's not the woke dude he sold himself as because nobody is. But he is like he, the data supports that he is I know. aggressive. I know. And sometimes you like the aggressive approach. But then, like, all of a sudden, you're you're lining up for a field goal to Greg, mm. for Greg Reserline to miss. So those are the things. And I know he's not calling the plays, and that's mostly Kellen Moore. And people can either praise Kellen or, or, or get angry with Kellen. But as far as McCarthy goes, 
it's hard not to give him credit for a five and one team. You know, if had this team been three and two or two and three or at, at worst one and four, one and five, you know, then you're like, all right, look, this guy's made too many bad decisions. Let's let's cut our losses. You know, Kellen Moore's about to walk out the door, but now this is going to be a conversation because how are you going to move on from a guy that's going to potentially more than likely have a really good record at the end of the season? Stretch, I do want to say that so amazing NJ has checked in on YouTube and says, yo, yo, what's up, fellas? <laughs> Hashtag Chop Sports. Sturge has that hoodie there. Uh, make sure you check out Chop Sports and all the fine work they're doing. Tony, I'll get to you in a second, but I do want Tom's input here because he is so often the voice of reason, but sometimes the voice of the dramatic. And Tom, we have a comment from Norm Lee that says, I think the team is succeeding despite McCarthy. He doesn't call defensive or offensive plays or special teams plays. He is supposed to take care of time management on fourth down calls and fourth down calls. He sucks at both. Tom <laughs> Ryle, your response. Well, you know, let me correct your misapprehensions here. Uh, My misapprehensions. Wow, Tom. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but first off, there, there's no question that with the Cowboys, there's a completely different set of goalposts for people. Uh, you know, the kind of mistakes that McCarthy makes happen all over the NFL, yet he is the one that's drug under the microscope week after week after week because, you know, some of the national analysts know that if they mention the Cowboys, they're going to get more people to pay attention to them. That's true, but there's a lot of Cowboys fans. The comment we're talking about yeah. is a Cowboys fan. Yeah, and that's part of because – the, all this information is bombarding them. We tend to be a little more overly critical of our own team than a lot of fan bases are. And I just have to go back to, to, to a concept that most of the head coach's work happens in the 164 hours outside of game of the game. Uh, and I, when I was at Oxnard, Mike McCarthy was running those practices. He had them scripted the way he wanted. He was making sure everything was getting done. He was directly supervising all of the team activities when they were going up 11 against 11. That man was in control, and he was molding this team and getting this roster into shape. And I, I am absolutely convinced that's exactly what he does during the rest of the week. He has assembled the staff. It did take a year to figure out who his defensive coordinator should be, admittedly, but he got it very right after getting it very wrong the first time. He has come in and, and not only done all that, he, he is he is involved in the offensive game planning. He sits in the room with Kellen Moore, Dak Prescott, and the backups and the other assistants, and they figure out how they're going to attack. I'm absolutely sure he has input to Dan Quinn, and Bones Fossil about how they're going to handle their particular responsibilities. And he has brought this entire new atmosphere, this, you know, we are going to zig when we have to zig rather than doing what Jason Garrett used to do was we're going to run this play. Oh, it didn't work. Well, we're going to run it again until we make yeah, it. Yeah, we're, we're just going to have to beat him. Our, our guys yeah. are going to have to. We're, we're going to have. We're going to line up our 11 and we're going to beat their 11 and we're going to play sound yeah. fundamental football. Right. Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. This, in in it, all three phases of the game. Yeah. In, in any organization, how much really does the CEO, the head guy, actually do on a day to day basis? He sets guidance, he sets objectives, he sets the goals, and he gets the resources to accomplish those things. And 
McCarthy is the CEO head coach. He's not making play calls. He's letting people that are, he admits, better at it than he is. And he's taking the big view. And if coaches are in, uh, if, excuse me, if wins are indeed a coaching stat, McCarthy's what his record says he is. He's five and one. I agree with that, Tom. I do think that that people want to see Sean McVay. You know, they want to see the the play sheet in in the coach's hand. They want to see you know doing people doing whatever. Uh, Tony DJ Dog thirty one chimes in says McCarthy's only real decisions fans see is clock game management. Therefore, he gets criticized. Quinn and Kellen Moore have halos over them. Do you think that Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore have? maybe gotten a little bit too much love. I'm not trying to take away love from anybody, Tony, but it does seem like, because I think people want to go out of their way to discredit Mike McCarthy, so they give even more pomp and circumstance to everybody else that they can, in this particular case, Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn. I mean, yeah, as far as that as that goes, uh, I think it, they're a victim of circumstance with the narrative, kind of like I said about Anthony Brown in the last round table. I think people had a specific narrative, like, Everything that goes wrong is Mike McCarthy's fault. Everything that goes right is Kellen Moore's fault. Dan Quinn turned this around 180. It's all Dan Quinn. It's like, why can't it be a little bit of everything? Why can't this gel together just like a football team works, right? There's different players on this team from last year. There's different coaches on this team from last year. It's everything is clicking. I mean, and and to be brutally honest with you, um, as excited as we are about the team and everything like that, I think most of us pretty much thought if the Cowboys played the way they thought they would or were capable of, we'd be sitting here at the by five and one. You know, I mean, I think many of us thought the Tampa Bay game was a throw up, but we thought that this was kind of end up where we are at this point in the season. Um, as far as credit goes, that's for the fan talk, right? We're talking, uh, we're talking amongst the fans or fans, like all that credit stuff is for the talk because at the end of the day, do I think Mike McCarthy's doing everything he can to win? Absolutely. You know, is there decisions that can be questioned? I think you can say that about anybody, right? I mean, we're all getting on Kellen Moore about why is there so many first down runs against the Patriots? Like this is every week, there's something, right? And that's just what comes with it. And as long as you win at the end of the day, a lot of it uh, gets a nice little bow on the top of it. To that point, Cowboys uh, 2022 says the Cowboys are succeeding with an average offensive coordinator, talking about Kellen Moore, who in the last game we were two and five, two for five in the red zone uh, and three of 13 on third down conversion. So that's the thing. Like people act like, again, like everything Kellen Moore touches turns to gold and that Mike McCarthy just comes in to like, you know, smudge it all up. Um, uh, Sturch, I want to go back to you. I believe Blue 365 brings up a great point here, and I have not seen any national talk about this. Lots of people talking about what Sean McDermott did last night on Monday Night Football, a decision that you know I tweeted about I fully support going for it on fourth down, not kicking the field goal because that's a coward's game. But Bill Belichick twice. First off, if we go chronologically, at the end of the first half, after the Dak Prescott ridiculous non-touchdown at the goal line, Gets the ball at his own 20-yard line, admittedly doesn't have any clock stoppages, obviously timeouts, and just takes some knees. Just ends ends the half. Has 90 seconds and, you know, just throws away a possession. People killed Sturge, Mike McCarthy, for not doing everything he could to get one more possession against the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football a couple of weeks ago. And similarly, he's like a cousin of this cowardice. At the end of the game, in overtime, it's fourth and three. I realize they're not quite at midfield. But we, the whole world knows by now that Dak Prescott is an elite quarterback. And Bill Belichick, of all people, who was the guy who went for it on fourth and two 12 years ago on his side of the field against Peyton Manning, decides to punt when all Dak Prescott needs is a field goal to win that game because of the rules of overtime. I mean, we're, we're over here like, you know, 
look looking under the hood and you know checking the tire pressure to to to, to disprove Mike McCarthy's success. But there there are other coaches, in fact, the greatest coach of all time, who are having bigger and worse you know demerits ha- you know hanging off of them that nobody seems to care about. Maybe it is the Cowboys factor, but I mean I think in this game and and everyone's gonna you know have a problem with this statement. Mike McCarthy outcoached Bill Belichick, and nobody wants to say that out loud. Uh, well, you just said it before. I mean, he is the greatest coach of all time, whether he has Tom Brady or not. I mean, and, and like, you know, people argue that point, but it, he, what are you going to say to Bill Belichick right now? You know what I mean? Like, hey, uh, hold on. I can't hear you past all these rings. You know what I mean? Like his decision making in that game in particular. Yeah, it was kind of kind of weird. It was like for the first time in a long time, maybe not not since like Tony Romo's last full year as Cowboys quarterback. I have never felt like, you know, when the Cowboys get the ball, we're going to go out there and score. I'm feeling that now. You know what I mean? Like every time Dak Prescott gets on the field, this this offense could score. So that's the only reason why I think it's suspect to punt the ball back to Dak um, in overtime and specifically. Uh, maybe he's playing the field position game. I don't know. But if, if McCarthy did that, oh, my God, I can't even oh. tell you. I can't even tell you the uproar that would come on the Twitterverse and the people specifically in this chat alone, you know, would absolutely crucify him. Uh, but I think, again, the only thing you could possibly say is, is trying to pin him deep. I, I don't know. That's it. It's just it's not a strategy that works in today's NFL. And, and you would think that, that Bill Belichick would know that uh, Mike McCarthy seemingly knows that and got a lot of heat uh, for fourth down decisions going for it early. I don't have a problem with it. Sturge, you mentioned that though. I did have a problem with not going for it late when they decided to kick the Greg Zerline field goal that he missed. That's not just revisionist history. That's a you go for that no matter what situation. But um, we'll see what Bob Sturm has to say. Again, I'm very interested. Bob Sturm has followed Mike McCarthy's career since Green Bay. Uh, as everybody who follows Sturm knows, but um, it, it is um, it is an interesting thing. Tom, I go to you now with the most important question. Belongs to you. All right, Tom. What are our main takeaways? Cowboys are five and one, and we've all kind of said that you know this was sort of predictable, as Tony alluded to, but we haven't seen them do that, as Sturge said. I mean, there's a there's a high level of confidence. There's a, I would actually go as far as saying there's a high level of trust in this Cowboys team. We, we have a high level of trust. We, they have earned that from us. They have earned the benefit of the doubt. So that being said, as they are at the break, what is your main takeaway? I don't want your like secondary or third takeaway time. I'm talking the main one, the main course, the thing that's at the center of the plate. Well, does the fact that this is just a different team than in years past count as a, no, it doesn't. A that's lame. We need a different one. Sorry. Okay. No, that could work. That could work. <laughs> Flesh it out. I have more. I have more. No, it's the the game against the Patriots is the example. I think the odds were less than 10% that a Jason Garrett coach team could have pulled off that win. Totally agreed. Uh, and that's ju- that just sums it all up. McCarthy has brought in a much more aggressive mindset. As somebody was mentioning, they want to look for a reason to go for it on fourth down. Garrett, wow, that's such a great way to put it, Tom. Wow, keep yeah. going. Go yeah, off, and, King. And Garrett just thought that was like, no, that is not the proper old school way to do things. You know, you you get a a fourth and three at uh, the other side, other teams, 39, well, then you punt and pin them back near the end zone line. 
That's not how this version of the Cowboys is playing. And that aggression has just permeated down and has combined with some of the other takeaways uh, for this year that to just make this, this a whole roster and staff that is out there looking for ways to win the game, they're not trying to avoid the loss. And that to me is the 180 that has happened this year that we've got to see. It may have been taking place a year ago, but it got masked by all the injury problems. So Tony, to set you up here, as we wait for a stretch, who texted me that his internet went out, just, you know, 2021 problems. But I think Tom, if I'm Tom, if you'll allow me, I'll put all of your, your main takeaway under the aggression umbrella. And I think we would all agree the best quote that any person associated with the Cowboys has had this year, besides the the things Dak Prescott has spoken about that matter beyond the game of football, um, ha- has been what Kellen Moore said, Tony, and that the disposition of the Cowboys offense is to aggressively attack what opposing defenses give them. What's important about that is it's not to attack, it, it, to Tom's exact point. It's not to just try to win. It is how do we bury them? Because that that has been the fifth year that has been missing from this team for a long time. And that overall disposition has rippled into every sector of the team. That's why Trayvon Diggs jumps on balls. That's why Randy Gregory is getting home so often. That's why Micah Parsons plays with such tenacity is because the idea, the purpose, the intent, the mandate is to be aggressive. And that that is something that has really been lacking from this team for a very, very long time, Tony. I love it. Like you said, it's aggressive. It's not passive whatsoever. They're taking... Like you said, they're aggressively taking what the defense gives them. Kellen Moore, when I heard him say that and I read that, I'm just like, wow. Like, he put it together exactly how I was thinking, like, and hope that they were looking at it because there's no point in trying to fit a, you know, a round peg in a square hole. If if this defense, uh, this defense is hell-bent on stopping Ezekiel in the run, let Dak Prescott do what he did on Sunday, right? 445 yards and go and beat Bel- Belichick in New England. Uh, if if you want us to run it 200 yards down your throat, let's do it. And I think that comes with what we started to see last year pre-injury Dak. Dak's numbers were gaudy, right? He was playing at a, an elite clip then. He just didn't have the team or the defense or whatever the case may be around him to kind of be that complimentary. Now we have a defense that's opportunistic. We have a corner, young star cornerback who's coming into his own. We have Randy Gregory playing the best he's ever played. Despite the injuries, despite it all, it just seems to be clicking in in a way that can only be described as a team that's playing with confidence, a team that's playing with swagger. It's and that is, you know, not something that happens overnight. That is something that has to be within you. That it that comes with some of these free agent additions like J. Ron Curse, Demonte KZ. It's not a great day to you know bring him up, but like you just kind of look at the things that. The, the players that weren't here last year, some of the coaches that weren't here last year that just have a different feel about it. Micah Parsons is an alpha male. You know, you got looking at the way Jaron Curse plays, he's just mad out there. And that just, that oozes through the team. That's just something that, you know, and I think we all get to look at, you know, Dak Prescott a little bit in the hard knocks and we get to see how he is as a person. Now, we all know he's a great guy and a great advocate for, you know, mental health and stuff, things of that nature. But the dude is... He's a bad dude. You know what I mean? This dude wants to win. Like, he is just in a – he's an assassin out there. And when he comes out for a rep, he's pissed about it. Like, this guy in this team just has that aura about him that they haven't had in a very long time. 
That's well said. Uh, Sturch, I want to get your takeaway, your main takeaway on the 2021 Cowboys. But before we do, a big shout out to F Kit Crunch for the super chat. Thank you very much. Uh, says the reason why Mike McCarthy doesn't get any credit is he's not Jerry Jones. It's not a bad answer, honestly. Fair. Um, so fair. J- the credit's not there because Jerry, Jerry wants it. Um, so, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, Sturge, you are back from the dead, uh, the yeah. internet death. Um, and so I'll ask you, what is your main takeaway at the buy? Tom and Tony basically stole it. Uh, Tom's was that, you know, the Cowboys are aggressive. They're, you know, that, that, that tenacity is, is involved in every level of their team in every sector of their roster. So your answer can't be that it was a really good answer that Tom and Tony co-authored. So what is yours? Sturge? My biggest takeaway is that um, I was most excited going into the season to have a full season with Randy Gregory, and that's my biggest. I'm so excited to see what he He almost broke Mac Jones in half <laughs> the other day and one of the cleanest hits I've ever seen. Um, I'm, my biggest takeaway is that this defense is aggressive, and no matter what, you know, there's a lot of yards being given up, and I think everybody starts to look at, like even a Trayvon Diggs, who was having an historic start to, to his 2021 um, they're seeing the yards, right? They're seeing like, oh, well, you know, they're still giving up a lot of big chunk plays here. And there. it's a bend, but don't break defense. And it's really uh, a credit to Dan Quinn. That's my biggest takeaway is that, yes, the offense is, is as good as advertised, but it's the defense that stepped up. And, and that's what's going to lead us to wherever we're going to go this year. Tom, do you agree? I mean, is is who's so a, a very popular um analogy that that has been used across nfl circles for a long time comes from dave damashek great podcaster davis great nfl analyst um really funny guy steelers fan so kind of you know everybody has flaws uh but but damashek uh tom has has constantly referred to the jenga piece of different nfl rosters the non-quarterback jenga piece Um, and what that is it's like the popular game jenga the player who if you remove them the whole thing comes tumbling down and again we're talking about non-quarterbacks because without your quarterback, your whole thing's going to come tumbling down no matter what. If we if we isolate that conversation, Tom, to the defensive side of the ball, who was the Jenga piece? It's not Demarcus Lawrence, even though he might be the best. It's clearly not him. So who was the Jenga piece to this Cowboys defense? And we've seen it, we've we've learned lessons in the last seven eight years. It wasn't Sean Lee in 2014. I think that surprised a lot of people. You know what I mean? It, it's not Demarcus Lawrence right now. Who was that piece? that if the Cowboys took him out of their defense, what we're seeing right now would come tumbling down? Well, if there is one, and I'm not absolutely sure there is, but if there is one... Oh, there is. Oh, don't you doubt that. There is. Okay, I knew you had an answer to this before (laughs) you asked the question. How can you say it's not Trayvon Diggs? Because you take away those seven interceptions... And where would this team likely be? Uh, probably looking at four and two, maybe three and three, uh, because he swung some games with those picks. So, you know, and he's the one I don't think anybody saw coming. Uh, you know, there were a lot of other things people were looking at. They thought Diggs was just going to come in and have a little bit more improved game year than he had in 2020 when he wasn't great, but he was looking pretty good towards the end, got him a couple of picks. And now I just don't see what this defense would look like without the regularly scheduled Trayvon Diggs pick each game. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I am not at all diminishing Trayvon Diggs' importance. Okay? Not at all doing that, Tom. And you're, you're right. And every comment supports that it's Trayvon Diggs here. Except for Troy Dudley. And, Tony, I'll set you up this. This was kind of Sturch's answer. I don't want to put words in your mouth, Sturch. But Troy says, Randy. I think the Jenga piece is Randy Gregory because, I mean, he has he has mitigated the loss of Demarcus Lawrence. I mean, it, and you could argue that, you know, his presence was mitigated or his, his the lack of his presence was mitigated by Micah Parsons against the Chargers. I mean, so everybody's replaceable to a certain degree. I'm not trying to say that, you know, Randy's better or whoever's better, whatever. I mean, this is a good discussion to be having, right? To to be debating who is the most important player on the Cowboys defense. But mm-hmm. I think without Randy, Tony, that pressure is gone. I mean, and and especially if if we add if we contextualize this question to say this season without Demarcus Lawrence, with Dorrance Armstrong out, I mean, to Sturch's point, I mean, Randy has come in and been, you know, the the prayer of a hope that everybody thought he would be. And so for that reason alone, he might be the Jenga piece. Randy is what we were hoping to see from day one, right? When we drafted him, took a chance on him in the second round, this is the Randy Gregory we thought we would see consistently. And it's, it's, it's been awesome to see. Uh, you, there really isn't a wrong answer between Tom's, you know, saying Trayvon Diggs and Anthony Brown. And you, Anthony Brown has been <laughs> quietly consistent. You know what I mean? Quietly consistent. Uh, and he's, so I mean, Listen, he's I, and listen. I don't use pro football fo- focus all that often, but I think they have him ranked as the number one man-to-man corner in the league. So they, take that for what it's worth. But at the end of the day, Trayvon Diggs has been that opportunistic player that we've been missing since we thought Byron Jones was going to be that guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So at the end of the day, um, he to turn the football over to to steal possessions from the other team. Trayvon Diggs has been that Jenga piece in my eyes that is just without him what what does this look like i mean right i mean so what's this defense look like with without trayvon diggs out there it's it's kind of scary so we've got two votes for trayvon diggs one vote for randy stretch i'll allow you to answer the question here who who is that player who is the jenga piece on the cowboys defense um chris davis has told y'all it was randy um I, I mean, know, it's, it's, it's not even, it, I'm, I, I like the phrase. It's not even close, but like, cause I actually feel that way, but like the cornerbacks are really good when there's really good pressure, you know, and there's really good pressure because of Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence isn't even there. You know what I mean? Can you imagine Randy's going to keep rolling and, and Randy has this like demeanor to him. I watched the post game press conference the other night and he just, he's very soft spoken, but he's very critical of himself. Like he wants to be great. You know, he doesn't want to just be a role player here. He wants to be 
the next Demarcus Lawrence, you know, and or, or whoever the next. He wants whatever. to be the next Demarcus Ware. He, he wants to live right, up right. that ninety four. That's what he wants. Yeah, he's rocking the number. You know, I just feel like the confidence is there for him. You know, it's just again, you take him away, and who's getting to the quarterback right now other than him? You know what I mean? And and that's what's as Trayvon Diggs. Look, you cannot take away what he's done. He's his ball skills are incredible, but maybe he wouldn't be able to cover like he's been covering had the pressure not been in the face of said quarterbacks that we've played thus far. Um, F kit crunch says Jordan Lewis with a laughing emoji. Jordan's <laughs> I like know, Jordan. Hey, Jordan. Jordan's been fine. Um, you know, it is what it is. Um, uh, nobody asked me, so I'll go back to the question in terms of our main <laughs> takeaways, uh, at the buy RJ, and, RJ, RJ, uh, what are your main takeaways at the buy? <laughs> I'll answer that like this Sturge. And I, I think that a lot of people who are either watching live or listening or watching after the fact, including you three, probably felt this way, but won't admit it. After the Greg Zerline miss, okay, so when the Cowboys are, you know, things looked grim. I know there was still a lot of time. Cowboys still had some clock stoppages. You know, the math of it was still possible, but that was a rough moment before Trayvon Diggs went superstar, and I know you're not going to be like, that's why he's the Jenga piece. It's fine. In that moment, the thought went through my mind, you know what? They're four and two. That's way more than we thought they would be. They, you know, they're already kind of playing with house money. You know, this was a weird game from an officiating standpoint. They shot themselves in the foot. If they play clean, you know, if they play more clean games, you know, this won't happen. This is a learning experience, et cetera, et cetera. And so my main takeaway is that they are not that team anymore. They they found that switch, whether it was the Trayvon Diggs pick six or the luck that Bill Belichick was a coward in overtime or Dak Prescott on the final drive in overtime and the CeeDee Lamb touchdown beating Jalen Mills, whatever. They have, call it a killer instinct, call it a veteran presence, call it a, you know, experienced head coach. And I, I think that that is overlooked. I don't want to keep continually banging this drum that Mike McCarthy is awesome, but Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn to that point have been in some big-time football games. I mean, M Mike McCarthy has, has – forget the fact that he's won a Super Bowl, which is true. Mike McCarthy has lost NFC Championship games. Dan Quinn has lost a Super Bowl. They have all stared down the barrel of the biggest moments that this game has to offer. And I think that, you know, that that's not a knock against Jason Garrett because he just never had that. He, he never had that experience. And I think that that is what is different, is they are no longer the team that settles for that, you know, that that – you know, that that nice cheer up sort of talk that we would give ourselves in the aftermath of situations like this when they've lost games like this. I mean, I was trying to think of, of a game that this reminded me of where they kind of stole victory from the jaws of defeat. Tom, the one I latched onto the most was the 2014 Rams game when they fell down 21 to nothing and they, they kept on running the ball. They, they came back, they beat the Rams, et cetera. I think that was against Austin Davis, if I'm not mistaken, the, the Rams quarterback that day. Um, you could throw a lot of other examples out there, but my point is far more often than not, the Cowboys have lost that game. And then the week after we have lied to ourselves and told ourselves why it was okay. And my main takeaway is they are no longer that team, Tom. Yeah. Uh, if there's anything that we might be kidding ourselves about it's that we may be a little too overconfident in their ability to do that. Sure. Yeah. But, it's, you can't always pull a, a rabbit out of your hat, but, but they are finding ways to do that. Yeah. But I think that if you have a team that's like this and that we're, we're having to admit that what we think we see out there is really what we see. Uh, you know, there's people all over the, the media that are just arguing that the Cowboys really aren't that for this reason and that reason and the other reason. 
But this team has a core that we haven't seen for a very long time. Uh, they have a strength. They have a belief. They have, I think, maybe the best roster since at least the uh, the days of the original triplets. I mean, what is this depth thing we're seeing? Remember, they they got to five and one with like five of their projected starters for the season off the field for most of those games. Well, they're five. And- Tom, remember you and I jumped on here for the emergency roundtable the day after the opener when Michael Gallup was hurt, Lyle Collins was suspended. A few days later, Demarcus Lawrence broke his foot. Since all that crap hit the fan, they are five and zero. Oh. Yeah, no big and- deal. <laughs> yeah, and, and and that's the thing is that it seems to be no big deal for them. They are just saying, no problem, cinch up the belt a notch, go out and hit it again. And and they're doing that. They're uh you know, they're gonna have to make some more roster decisions. And this is hard. You know, the the guy that I thought was the one guy that was probably gonna be the easy one to call, Maurice Kennedy got hurt. So now that's one decision taken out of their hands. Who who's gonna be the next guy? And they're probably still going to stagger this because they have the luxury of staggering it. Uh, as long as Dak Prescott's calf, calf muscle is not a setback and is not a concern, then this team is going to be fine because they've got the people to step in and handle the task when it needs to be handled. And I just it's, – it's the, it's the talent, it's the depth, it's the assurance, it's the confidence – it's the competence of the coaching staff in key situations. It's really hard, like you were talking about with the Jenga piece, it's kind of hard to identify the one thing because so many different things are coming together to prop this all up. You know, Tom, uh, before we all jumped on here, Sturge and I were talking about food. What was the meal you said you wanted to eat, Sturge, that you were in the mood for? Penne vodka. Never heard of it. Never had it. Whatever. I'm fine with Tony. This. Uh, Tony, is this is this acceptable behavior? <laughs> it, it's not. It's not. And you're missing out. You're missing out severely. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, RJ Tom. is culturally narrow. That's all. <laughs> so um, a few years ago, uh, about five years ago, I was in Houston, and for the first time, or only time so far in my life, I had a meal where uh, I had a beer that like paired well with the meal, you know, like, I, like people he- you hear about that, like this wine goes well with this or whatever, but like that meal, literally that the beer I had accented the steak that I had. And th- that has been a- an occasion that has happened to me far too, you know, far in far too infrequently in my life. I need to up my culinary game, certainly uh, my culinary experiences, but that's what this is like. This ride is like Tom, right? Like you eat a bite, you take a drink, you even the, even the, the napkin is like really soft and it's the perfect, like, <laughs> texture to absorb you know the dirtiness from your mouth like everything is singing in harmony um tom you mentioned you know a great roster or one of the more talented rosters since the triplets sturch you mentioned a high level of confidence so tony i'll put it to you you haven't been this confident in a dallas cowboys team since when i'm talking you know recent memory Uh, 2016 dak is a rookie quarterback i'm like man we got we got we're cooking with some gas here you know and it's since that moment, I've been chasing that natural high with this team, right? <laughs> like, like I just want. But, but even even yeah. that felt like like 
like just playing with house like you were like that was like doubling up right yeah like right, it, it, right. Felt, no. it felt like doubling up at, at, at the casino right like oh man like we're just riding a high and even 2018 right. when when they had the five game winning streak right after they traded for Amari Cooper they, lo- they lose the first game that kind of felt like man this this feels a little little topsy-turvy you know like they're gonna run into something you know they were really kind of skating by you know the skin of their teeth so to speak I mean this is different than that Make no mistake, I, I always, as a Cowboys fan, of waiting for the rug to pull from underneath me. You know what I mean? So I think we've just waited. We're all kind of used to that. And, you know, I kind of say this. I got my fiance, who's a diehard Cowboys fan, and I just remember telling her, I was like, are you ready? Like, are you prepared for what comes with the emotional toll of, of adding this? And it's, you know, for me, it's like 2016, that was the most fun I've had in a long time. And I just, again, looking at my fiance, I was like, this is the most fun I've had as a Cowboys fan and as long as I can remember, and since probably that year, like I've, man, it just feels good. And, I mean, I'm. I'm <laughs> and now you're waiting to fall off cliff. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Well, you Sturge, you, you answer the question, Sturge. When was the last time you were this confident, or, or to put it how Tony did, that you were having this much fun? I mean, you know, what, what, when oh. is the last time the vibes were this good in, in your mind, at least? In your the vibe. Yeah, the vibes of 2016 were great. You know, like you're riding this wave. It's house money. You're just like, but the. But me being the freak that I was back then, I'm like, all right, but but Tony's going to be back. Tony's coming back. Ah, so when is this going to happen? I'm waiting for I, Tony to come back the whole time. Times. And then all of a sudden I get the meritocracy thing and I'm crying in my bedroom like a baby, you know, and I don't understand why, you know, I'm never going to see this guy play football again. Uh, but like uh, the last time I was this excited, I think it was 2015. When Romo beat the Giants, right? Uh, with oh, win, in week catching, one, the, the the crazy Lance Dunbar final drive at the end, right? That after that went down, I'm like, wow, you know, this team is built. They got a lot of tools on this team. Like this could be cool. And then everybody knows what happened. So well, there like, was even after that game stretch. Sorry, there was because Des Bryant got hurt. Des Bryant game. got there, hurt. Yeah, there, there was there was the video of him in the tunnel, like freaking out after the win, because that that really felt like man, they can reach like deep into the mouth of the monster and and snatch victory was, from within the jaws of defeat. I was there for that. The building was shaking. You know what I mean? So I was just like, this is the craziest I've ever seen. How exciting! I mean, 2007 was a lot of fun for Romo's first, like you know, hurrah, and he's starting to light up the scoreboard and stuff. I was there for the Tampa Thanksgiving game. You know, that place was rocking too. Um, but yeah, I mean, like as far as having fun is concerned, that little run in 2018. But you just kind of felt like eh, this one of the one of these games is going to really like really upset us. So that's hard for this year. Like as far as I'm confident, I'm confident in Dak's ability. I like his Mamba mentality. Shout out to the Cowboys production staff for those sounds at the sidelines because when I'm watching those, that gives me the extra. Like we're up big on the Giants, and like Dak's like, all right, let's go get another one. Let's go mm-hmm. get another one. You know what I mean? Like that mentality of saying like we're not done yet. You know, that's the kind of thing that's like really exciting me about this team and 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 how they're gelling. And I know it's going to sound silly. Sound very silly, but these little basketball with the big tennis ball games that these guys are having in the locker rooms on their Instagram, there are they're loose. This team is loose. They're playing together. Yes, it's all happy because they're winning. You know, like they're winning football games. But it just it, there's a different demeanor to this season, and it's you know I don't want to get crazy because you know last time that happened we were three and zero and I was booking my flight to Miami, <laughs> and then the rest is history on that season too. So it, it's hard to it's hard to get excited, but I think I'm I'm starting to starting to get there. Tom, these guys offered 2016-ish as an example. Um, a lot of people in the chat have said 1995. 
I will say 2007 because that people forget that team had 13 pro bowlers. Um, you know, that, that was a team that was really balanced. It, it did feel like we've talked about this, but 20, 2014, I think some people might say, you know, that was a really magical ride, but that, that also never felt so that, that was Jason Garrett's, you know, blueprint reaching nirvana that's that's all that was and that was never going to be sustainable i mean the, the fact that they couldn't get after a, a hobbled aaron Rodgers in the divisional round is is proof of that you know regardless of the fact that des caught it um but but I, you know that team was we talk about opportunistic that team was so lucky with their turnovers that they got in 2014 you know mm. it was it was bruce carter with these like random interceptions and things yeah. like that and that's not necessarily the case this year this does feel like you know i, I think to go back to 07, you don't just have DeMarcus where you've got Greg Ellis, you know, like that, that's, that's where this team's a little bit different to me. I mean, and I, I know they won 13 games and you can, you know, they, they barely lost to the Eagles, you know, in December, I was at that game Sturge. That was the Jessica Simpson game. And then they um, lost in, in week 17 to Washington when they rested all their starters, when, when the late Terry Glenn made his return that season, but they had to, and I think that's also a difference. I mean, what what CD Lamb is to this offense is, and I mean this this version of Dalton Schultz, and I know everybody's high on him, might be the closest thing we've gotten to 2007 Jason Witten, and that's including all the Jason Wittens that have happened from 2008 through 2019, mm-hmm. excluding the year he was retired. So, Tom, what, what's your team? What's your answer? Well, just from a fun aspect, I think that that eight game winning streak in 2016 with the rookies when you just kept going, well, how long can this go? That that was the most fun I've ever seen because it was so unexpected. Nobody thought they were going to lose the starting quarterback, lose the backup before they even lost the starting quarterback, and have to roll with a fourth-round compensatory uh, pick rookie and somehow go out and just smash mouth all over the, the NFL. So that was the most fun. The confidence level I'm feeling, in 2007, I felt good, but I didn't feel the confidence I felt of those mid-90s teams. This is starting to raise those echoes in my head. you know. And I realized I had the advantage over a bunch of people that I was actually a functioning adult back then. Hey, man, uh, I was 10, bro. I was, I was a functioning 10-year-old, so you it's really okay, Tom. <laughs> A lot of people don't Tom's quite paying taxes. That. That's his point, Tony. You know. <laughs> yes, I was paying taxes. But yeah, it this is just uh, this is this keeps uh, I keep running into that because I was uh, you know when I was putting together a piece about some of the weird records that the Cowboys are setting. There's a couple things that haven't happened since 1995, 1996, and I'm just going like, hmm. Maybe that isn't entirely just a coincidence. So I want to offer one last thing here before we shift uh, subjects, and I'm going to do so quickly because this might upset some people. I mentioned this on the 750, which is if you're listening to this on our podcast network, the latest episode before this roundtable, we do that show every week with Tony Casillas. And I told Tony, um, not you, Catalina, although I accidentally texted you when I was meaning to text him when we were setting up the time to record, which is a funny coincidence. Uh, but... Um, the way Tony Casillas talks about Troy Aikman, and I and I told him this if you listen to that episode, you heard this, but is it it makes you it makes you love those teams more. Cause cause he talks about like that that's our dude. Like that's still our guy. Like it, it makes you love the team more as a Cowboys fan. You're like, holy crap, Troy really was 
the ringleader, you know, the the main guy, the, the front man, like wh- however you want to put it. And I don't say this at all to, you know, poo-poo or diminish or squash Tony Romo. I've said this before. In terms of, like, the time of, of my life where I have been a fully functioning member of society, he's my all-time favorite athlete. However, I never got that vibe with him, personally speaking. And Sturge, you mentioned it with Dak. Like, that is that is a dude that they will all – I mean, follow wherever. And that is the difference. And I think that's why when we answer this question, like when when was the last time you felt this way, whatever, that particular quality is a very distinct thing that not a lot of teams have in the NFL and have had really in recent memory. Not a lot of full locker rooms, organizations, buildings will fall in line behind one particular individual. Uh, Sturge, since Corey Soldner said that you are their hero, I will put this to you. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And it's funny. I I almost want to flip this question back to you, RJ. Is it safe to say that you've never felt this confident? In my lifetime? Like as, your, as a fully yeah, function. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it is safe to say that. In in terms of like my, you know, conscious lifetime, yeah, I've never felt this way. I've never felt like they have this, you know, high this this high level of 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 magic. I mean, for lack of an actual word. Um yeah. and so, so Tony, I would imagine that's the same for you. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I like I, as you guys have been talking, I've been trying to think of like what any more recent history that like I'd felt that way. And like, I just keep coming back to like, this just feels different. You know what I mean? This year just feels different. I mean, even in the Tampa Bay game, I'm just like, we we're right here. We got we got this game. You know what I mean? Like, and and we're a, we're a couple plays here and there and not many from being six and oh, I mean, I feel a, about as good as I possibly can heading into the bye week this year. So since we're all feeling this confident, I'm about to like full, full on hubris at this point. And this okay. actually reared its ugly head last week. So um, I'll start with you, Sturge, since you were anxious last week, conversation throughout Cowboys, Twitter, Cowboys nation, Cowboys people in general was we should be rooting for the Philadelphia Eagles in this Thursday night game because we want to impede the Buccaneers. <laughs> Tom's face is amazing. Uh, we want to impede, impact the Bucks' chances at getting the one seat. The first round buy is as important as it's ever been. This is the second year since the NFL uh, removed the buy for the second seeds in either conference. So you only get that first round buy if you were the top seed. So Sturch, and I'm going to ask all of you, Sturch is first. At what point are you rooting for the other NFC's teams. Now, last week is a, is a particular example because they're playing the Bucks. The Eagles were and they lost. And so that's a team that is, you know, theoretically in contention for, you know, a top seed. And the Giants played the Rams, who are obviously in the mix, although the Cardinals obviously undefeated. Um, and every team, you know, the Cowboys played the NFC West this year. Or they, no, they don't. I don't know why I said that. Uh, but, I mean, the, the, the facts are like this week, Sturge Washington's playing the Green Bay Packers. They could be in the mix for the top seed. So, like, do you root for Washington? Do, do you know, and it's not just the the top seed thing because if we're talking about having our cake and eating it too, and we're over here, all of us like this is the most confident I've ever been in the Dallas Cowboys. Well, then it becomes a matter of like, okay, well, maybe we're not rooting for them to beat the teams that could impact the seeding formula here, but we just don't want them to have top ten picks. We don't want them to have top five picks. We want them to, you know, have the 15th overall pick, the 16th overall pick, whatever the case may be. Like if you're trying to thread a needle, that's the one. So Sturge, at what point are you willing to get that cocky? Okay. Here's the thing. The first Stephen all, White says at no, at no point. I hate it. LOL, by the way, Stephen, you're my guy. So here's the thing. So with, with right now, as it stands right now, I believe the Philadelphia Eagles have three 
top 10 picks right now, right? So they do, it's like, to, to, to clarify that very quickly, they own the Miami Dolphins first round pick, the Philadelphia Eagles. That completely belongs to them. They potentially own Indianapolis' Colts, first yeah. round pick because of the Carson Wentz trade. Wentz has to play 75% of snaps this season or 70% if Indianapolis is a playoff team. Now, right now, they don't necessarily look like a team, but you know, everybody talked about the beginning of the season, him missing in time. He hasn't missed any time. So it looks like he will at least reach that threshold. Uh, so currently, Miami has the second pick. Philadelphia has the eighth pick, and Indianapolis has the ninth. So to your point, they own 33% of the top nine picks in the 2020 sure, draft. Sure, sure do. And uh, I believe the Giants right now still have a top 10 pick based off their record. Here's and they the have Chicago, so we are all rooting for Chicago this season as well. And, that, and, and that's that's an easy thing to root for. You know, you right. root for Chicago because Chicago is kind of, you know, middle of the pack, if not worse. But here's the thing. The Dallas Cowboys have put themselves in a position right now, right? They're in a bye week situation where they can kind of sit back, see how the rest of the NFC East does, whatever. Right now, you're up three games. You're up three full games on the rest of the NFC East. Three and a half. You, three and a half. So you do not have to root for all these other teams to start dropping like flies, right? Oh, Green Bay. Oh, Tampa Bay. No, the Cowboys are in a position and have put themselves in a position that if they just take care of business, they can finish with 14 or 15 wins. And if that doesn't get you to first seed by default, then then that's, that's our bad, right? But they have a chance to go out, go take care of business on their own. Don't sit there and start saying, well, Jalen Hurts in November can really help us out by taking out X, Y, Z. Like, to take, a, to take a line out of the girls, Meg Murray and Kelsey Charles, Eagles for never, guys. Like, this is Eagles, Reds, uh, sorry, Washington football team, the Giants. None of these guys have any, any inkling on how we do in the postseason. You start to worry about road games, right? Like, oh, but we want to get a, uh, an additional home game in the second round. We just went to New England and took care of business. We went to L.A., took care of business. This team is winning games despite where the location is. We're going to get a home game because we're going to win the division by four or five games, right? We'll get that. We'll get to the second round. We'll probably be the higher seed in the second round, right? So then let's 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 just hope that if they don't get the bye, right? If they don't get the bye, I know I'm rambling here, but if they don't get the bye, they'll wind up with some home games regardless, and then the NFC Championship game could either be in Tampa Bay or in Dallas. Period. Stop. So I believe Blue 365 <laughs> says, let's go, Sturge. Let's go. Uh, let's go. A lot of most people are Preach it. You, Preach it. Tom, I'm going to come to you. And again, this this is a it's it. Look, the Cowboys are winning the NFCs and, and they have as many wins on their own as the entire rest of the division does combined. Right. There's no doubt about it. There's, OK, like we've, we've established that. And to be crystal clear, the incentive, I'm not saying I'm advocating for this. I'm just Look, I'm hosting here. The incentive <laughs> towards rooting for the NFC East teams would be in is an example this week trying to knock off the Packers. Because Sturge, to answer that question, you're saying, well, you know, who cares? We want to win the division. Everybody's saying they're gonna win the division. I'm no longer concerned about the division. I'm aiming higher than the division. I want the top seed. I want the two seed. I want the highest seed possible. And so, like, I, I think I think most people agree with you, Sturge. Like, if the if the Eagles are playing the, you know, they play the Jets this year as an example. Nobody's rooting for the uh, the Eagles to beat the Jets, right? Like, you know, unless you don't want them to high, have a high draft pick, that's maybe the other way you kind of, you know, rationalize this to yourself. So, Tom, to that point, I mean, do, do you ever reach that? Do, do you ever get or do you say, you know what? 
I don't want to get ahead of myself. Yes, I feel confident, but I've seen division leads squander. You know, I've seen teams get high. And as, as in case anybody forgot, the Cowboys do not play another divisional game until the second week of December. And, and all of the NFC East games basically happen in those final five weeks of the season. And so chaos could happen if the Cowboys do slip up and, and fall and stumble between now and then. So, Tom, do you do you what do you feel, Tom? Are you in the middle? Are you on one side? Are you on the other side? Do you think people on one side are, are stupid or dumb or ugly? I mean, like, how do you feel, Tom? <laughs> now, I just want an amen after that sermon from Dave. You know, <laughs> Preach, Sturch, baby. Just, Preach. Sturch, just, Sturch just laid it out there. And that's that's really been at the heart, at my heart for all this time. Yeah, there have been times when it got down to the end of the season, you started kind of thinking, well, maybe if the Eagles could slip up. And on this team, that would help Dallas's chances. But I want Dallas to just leave them all in a trail of dust. I don't care about the draft position because I've got a lot of faith in our division rivals' ability to squander draft picks. <laughs> and I, right, know, right. You know, uh, I mean, to that, to that point, Tom Cowboys twenty twenty two says the Giants' last two top five draft picks were Barkley and Andrew Thomas. Uh, Washington drafted Chase Young over Herbert, and let's not even mention the Eagles. To your point, Tom. Yeah, that, and that's exactly it. Let them have the draft picks. Let them, you know, let them let another CD Lamb slip through to thirty two. You know, so let's just let them lose. You know, until they play one another, <laughs> just let them lose. Tony, how do you feel? Are you going to come in here and be the contrarian, or are you aiming for the top seed? I mean, are you are you going to try to fight these guys? You know, the, kind of put it simply, I'm I am where my feet are at, so I want to take care of business week to week, right? Wow, is that same? Nothing, is, that, is that a thing that like society says? I've never heard that before. Me yeah, neither, but I'm going to use it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, I, I want to take care of what's right in front of me. I want to eat the food that's on my plate. I ain't worried about the next meal. So for me, by the way, I can't say it as good as Sturge did. Sturge, I mean, stole the thunder there. So, you know, run this clip back. He said it perfectly. But at the end of the day, I want to win this division. And like Tom said, I want to run away with it in spades. And that's it. I mean, the rest is going to take care of itself. Like Sturt said, too, if we win football games, if we get 13, 14 wins and that ain't enough, then it ain't enough. Let's go. I mean, we we're, Tampa's warm in January. I'm not worried about it. You know what I mean? so, <laughs> so, 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 RJ, are you with us or against us? I, I don't mean this the way it sounds. Um, and and people, people might, like, scoff at this. I don't think the first round buy is that important. I, I truly don't. And if we if we play this out, right, like theoretically, you know, or hypothetically rather, you know, okay, fine. They don't get the first round by. But if we if we if the, if, if there's a world, I mean, I, I mentioned we're all, that NFC East logjam. There is a world where all those games are inconsequential for for the division as a whole. There, there's a world where the Cowboys lock this up by the third the first days of December, right? But before anybody has done their Christmas shopping. It is very possible that, you know, everyone has to get someone in their family a Dallas Cowboys NFC's championship cap and T-shirt. Um, so that being said, create your own buy, right? Like create create a week 18 buy, create a week 17 buy. Like you have that ability. I think, you know, everybody's going to say, well, that week 17 game against the Arizona Cardinals, the Cardinals keep proving me wrong. And so I'm the one that looks dumb there. I don't think the Cardinals are going to be in contention. I think it's Tampa. I think Green Bay, as much as I hate to admit it, 
And, and you're right, Tony, if it's Tampa, so what? Like, if you have to travel anywhere right now, even if it's the Rams. If, if we almost did it already. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, even if it's the Cardinals. Like, if you've got to travel somewhere, that's fine. Create your own buy. Let let the Cardinals duke it out with the Rams. The the thing, the only thing that I think is, is extremely important, because I don't care about, I truly don't, you know, and again, I know that sounds ridiculous, because everyone's going to say, well, I would rather be the one seed than the two seed. Of course, I would too. But I don't want to do so and risk something ridiculous. The only thing that is important to me is to not be the four seed. And we haven't seen that, generally speaking, except for 2016. In 2018 and 2014, the Cowboys were the four seed, and they beat both of their wild card opponents that year. But this year, the wild card team that they will likely play if they are the four seed will be whoever does not win the NFC West. I don't want anything to do with that. I, I, you know, I think we all agree the five best teams in the NFC are the four division winners and whoever doesn't win the West. Those are the five best teams. So I want one of the other teams, whether it's the Vikings that somehow find a way to squeak in, if the Bears get hot with Justin Fields, if it's the Seahawks or the 49ers, if, if they, you know, if the NFC sends three, I, I don't want to play one of the Rams or the Cardinals in the first playoff game. I don't want that. Let them beat each other. That's the only thing that really matters to me is being at least the three seed. So I hope that answers your question, Tom. I'll take it. But <laughs> I do I do think that we now have to root heavily for the Indianapolis Colts because it's clear that Carson Wentz is going to meet the threshold, I think, the 75%. So we need that pick to be as, as low as it possibly can be. The entire NFC East, except for the Giants, are obviously rooting for the Chicago Bears Sturge to obviously, you know, push that pick as far down. And and to that, like, if you want to play 4D chess, then maybe maybe this week is say, I want Washington to beat the Packers so that the Packers can fall in the NFC North because I want the Bears to win the NFC North to get to a point where, you know, that draft pick is further back. Uh, so in the matrix. Uh, yeah. Uh, Alex Piercling, thank you for the super chat. Says uh, this team isn't afraid of going on the road and beating you in your house. Totally agrees. I mean, is there is there an NFC place you don't want to go to, Sturch? I mean, except for Green Bay because of the weather and, you know, like all well, that's, of history that's and all of our emotional scars. Yeah, that that's the only place I don't want to play is Green Bay. Like when Rodgers is literally going out there telling people that he owns them. <laughs> like I don't, I don't want anything. It's, it's, he, it does. Sucks, he, but does. he does. He really does. And I and uh, again, I work hand in hand. My business partners are the diehard Green Bay Packer fans. So it's like I, I have to hear this every day. So uh, I, I personally would not want to go to Green Bay in uh, in January. So, um, Tony, do you agree with my brilliant idea of just creating your own buy? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's I think. You take care of your division. You see where we're at the end of the year. And that's kind of how I thought of it the whole time. For me, I always looked at that Arizona game. I'm like, yeah, but like, wh what's it worth at that point? You know what I mean? It, there's a chance that it may not be worth much to us at that point. And I would love that. You know, the last week of the year, create your own buy. It's perfectly said. And, and you know what, though? All right, no, no search. Go ahead. I, I was just going to, the only thing I was going to say is like right now, all, uh, besides the fact that Dak Prescott's calf is a little banged up right now, I don't even want to buy right now. You know what I mean? Like this is what the momentum is a tricky thing. So at the end of the year, you know, maybe you're maybe you're rolling again. Maybe the Dallas Cowboys slip up uh, against uh, Arizona and they, you know, they look kind of crappy and they have one of these weird games. But then they beat the brakes off the Eagles. Do you really want another uh, another day off after that? Like you know, you just keep rolling, keep rolling. The momentum is big. So. Tom, we have established nobody's rooting for any NFC's teams. Mm -hmm. We're all rooting for the Cowboys. We're all 
I guess theoretically rooting for the Colts. We're definitely rooting for the Chicago Bears. Is there anything we're missing here, Tom? Obviously, we're rooting for the Dolphins to get back on track here and push that Eagles pick back. So I'll add that. But besides that, is there is there something that we're not seeing, Tom? Is there is there a dot sequence of dots we're not connecting that we should be focused on? I mean, you know, how do you feel, Tom? Well, other than the fact that, you know, I, I appreciate Sturge's concern for something that doesn't exist, momentum. Uh, <laughs> I, you know. Uh, Man. What? Sturge <laughs> got sniped. For what it's worth, Sturge, I agree with Tom. But go ahead. Tom. <laughs> oh, God. But, you know, yeah, we left out the fact that week 17 could wind up being a buy for two teams. We could see Cooper Rush lining up against whoever – the Cardinals QB two is because they there's made no there's no way that yeah, yeah. Pride, Pride, in that situation no not Pride, Dak Prescott out of that game good luck <laughs> <laughs> but yeah at least you could have two teams that are not playing for a whole lot at that point where they are pretty much locked in uh, it would be great to see if that was the uh, the game for the first or second seed. I wouldn't want that. Down that, to that. That would that would not feel good because then we would be second guessing ourselves for an entire two. <laughs> you know that would be awful. Right. It would, it would be great for content to be clear, but it would be awful for like our emotional well being. Uh, mm. Sturch, you'll be pleased to know. Thank you to Alex Pierceling for the super chat once again. Says I would rather winning late and with momentum than have the buy. So I think Alex is saying what you are, Sturch. Like screw the buy. Let's just keep our foot on the gas. Just put it in cruise control and, and actually take the foot off the gas and just. Just sit and cruise. Um, so you think momentum's a thing, Sturge? Wow, you're you're revealing yourself here. How is it not? How is it not? Are you kidding? How me? is it? Why? How do you measure it then? How is because it, how? it it lasts exactly until the point it completely reverses itself, which will happen can happen on one play. We see it happen time after time. Look at the end of the New England game. You know the the Patriots had the the momentum. Bang. Diggs runs it back for a, for a <laughs> pick six. The Cowboys have the momentum. Bang. The Eagle uh, the hey, wait, wait, get a 75-yard hey, fight. Tom, Tom, here, here, here's here's right. What? All right, so the Patriots had what? No, Tom I is am, saying this facetiously. I He's am, not actually I saying am, they had I momentum. I am positing this as you would argue they had the momentum. And you tell me that that was not the classic. Ask John Madden. Of Ask John Madden. He'll tell you momentum is a thing. So stop. That that I, he's a goat. <laughs> like, well, look stop. how Tony, big he is. He gets moving a lot, moving fast, and yeah, he got a lot of momentum behind him. Tony, <laughs> but the, uh, it does uh, not work that way in football. John Madden really is calling. Moment, right momentum's now, ca momentum's yeah, calling, yeah. Tom. Uh, Tony, uh, the vote is two to one. Uh, here, like a, a classic episode of Survivor, you are the swing vote at Tribal Council. Um, is momentum real? Um, so basically, are you are you on the side of a fallacy with Sturch, or is it a myth? Um, <laughs> what, 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 proving that you are correct, like Tom and I. You're crazy. <laughs> I gotta be honest with you. I think there's something to be said about you know momentum, and I feel like this, I honestly. Oh. <laughs> I feel like there's something to be said about grooving, being on a groove, right? I mean, would you would you not consider this Cowboys team to be on a roll right now? I mean, there's something. I mean, understand that, like Tom said, it could come at the you know drop of a hat. It's all over with. I mean, a loss to the Patriots would would have been kind of like, okay, well, we're not sitting here talking about five in a row. We're not rolling anymore. You know what I mean? This is a stop to the momentum. I don't know. There's something to be said. Teams get hot. I mean, 
the Giants had no business winning the Super Bowl against the <laughs> against the Patriots, but they got hot at the right time. What do you attribute that to? They're a better team. Nobody. I would attribute say that, that no. to incompetence from the Green Bay Packers, the San Francisco 49ers, and uh, the New England Patriots. I mean, I attribute that to incompetence, and I attribute and, that to an incredible throw from Eli Manning. I mean, that's and, skill. It's not momentum. And Eli Manning was always this weird, streaky quarterback who occasionally would just play exceptionally well for a short period of time, and then it would just vanish like his brother's receding hairline. Um, oh Tito96 chimes in. The vote tied at two apiece. Says, momentum y'all are talking about is just a mindset, confidence, and focus. Thank you, Tito96. Do you have anything to say for yourself, Sturge and Tony? Are you properly <laughs> em- embarrassed? I mean, no, I'm not <laughs> embarrassed at all. Are you kidding me? Listen, mo- you're right. Momentum is a mindset. Uh, it, it, <laughs> you know what? For you guys not saying momentum isn't real, then then McCarthy's stupid mojo moment isn't real either. Okay, that's no, what that's, mom- that's what the mojo not- moment is. It's momentum. It's exactly no, what mo- it is. A mojo Boom. moment is let's get hyped and let's focus on our two-minute warning drills and we have to be efficient and elite and have high energy. There's a difference between energy and, uh, you know, etc. Uh, Alex Pierce-Ling, thank you for the Super Chats, is the 2007 Cowboys had the bye and lost, and New York had the momentum. Do either of you agree with this? They beat Jeff Garcia's Buccaneers in the wild card round. They went to Dallas, and I guess the momentum carried them would be your argument, Sturge. And look, and look, Dallas had to buy that year, and it was a bad thing. They 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 kicked the crap out of half the league that year. You know what I mean? And now all of a sudden, you take a buy off, and here come the Giants. They're on fire, and then they caught them off guard. And bang, there's yeah. R.W. McCorders in my nightmares for the rest of my life. And did, didn't they officially take an extra week off even beyond that? Oh, Tom, why? Back? Oh, here we go. Why do you do this, Tom? Now, I'm not talking about momentum. I'm talking about that the Cowboys took Tony their Roma. eye off the ball. Tony Romo um, had momentum. That's the only way you land Jessica Simpson. That's momentum. All <laughs> right. Let's, let's, let's land this plane here. Uh, Keith Axelrod, and we'll put this to everybody. Tony, you go first since you were also wrong. Of all our remaining games, who would you worry about possibly losing to? Everybody has to give an answer, and nobody can repeat anybody else's answer. So, Tony, you get to go first. Oh. And you have to justify how you could see the Cowboys losing that particular game. I could see... I know what they look like this year, and I know how historically bad their defense is. But I could see us losing to the Chiefs. Yeah, I could see I could see them, you know, going blow for blow with us, point for point. Um, it's it's one of those things where it, it could be fifty to fifty-four, a la like Denver, Dallas, or Peyton. I mean, and it could look like that, and we could be on the losing end of a game that's like, damn, we put up a forty burger and we still lost. I mean, do I do I think we can beat them? Absolutely. But do I see? Could I see him losing? I mean, I can envision us losing that football game. Okay, I will go second. Um, oh. I will choose. I will. <laughs> I, I will choose the Arizona Cardinals oh. because they're oh. undefeated, and I want to see these guys squirm. Uh, so, for obvious reasons, I will take them. Tom, since you were correct on the momentum discussion, uh, you get to go third. So, Kansas City, Arizona, <laughs> off the board. Who could you see the Cowboys losing to besides them? We got a dark horse now: the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Oh. Rich Basaccia. They ruin another Thanksgiving. I swear to God. He (laughs) he knows the team. And, you know, they've gotten rid of their big distraction. Uh, So, yeah, uh, that's suddenly a very 
It's a different game. There's no question about it's, it it's than gonna, what it, it was 10 days ago. right? And it's a quirky team in some ways because they're going through a very unusual situation. I think they're just a lot less predictable than most of the rest. Mm. Okay, so Sturge, can't take Chiefs, can't take Cardinals, can't take Raiders. Who? And rationalize it, please. Fine. The only rational decision, since you guys took the obvious ones, I did this today already on my other podcast. I said, you know, there's only going to be three losses the rest of the way total. Cowboys will finish 14 and 3. Who, who do we However, think he's picking? Who do we think he's picking before you go, Stretch? Who, who do you think he's picking, Tony? Oh, my God. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> Tom, Tom, who do you think he's picking? The the king of I, momentum. I, I mean, I I can't. First off, I can't see that any of the other NCE teams even count. Uh, oh, because, count. you know, uh, as far as this, uh, I don't think it's going to matter at that point, but maybe he's going to go with the football team. I, I would look nah. at the Vikings, but yeah, most people would say the Vikings, Tom, but you forgot that you're not only talking to the king of momentum. You're talking to the king of Homerism. Sturch is going to say <laughs> the week 18 game in Philadelphia, because the Cowboys are going to rest all their starters and Philly is going to win that game. All right. You know what? I'm throwing, I'm throwing a swerve. I'm throwing a swerve right now. I was going to go that route, but I say they trip up in the Superdome or whatever the hell they're calling it nowadays, and they lose to a crazy performance at uh, Alvin Kamara. How about that? There's, mm. there's your there's your trip up. But I don't think it's going to happen, but y'all took the easy ones. So mm. I'll just have to throw out the hard one. Yeah, so that's that. We took the easy ones when you were going to pick the game that they weren't really going to be playing in, Sturge, just to be clear. No, no, no. I was going to – no, I, I was going to take the – I was going to take the Chiefs. <laughs> the Chiefs was my clear-cut answer. Um. Okay. Uh, this has been fun as it always has been one last thought from every single person before we get out of here, Sturge, since, uh, you know, we had some fun with you, your one last thought, you get to go first. Nobody can copy. This is always the rule. Uh, my one last thought is that the Cowboys are playing uh, their best football that I've seen in recent memory. And that's not, that's pretty obvious to everybody. Uh, but for the first time I have confidence, the utmost confidence in a guy like Dak Prescott um, to every time that he's on the field, we can score points. And because of that, the Dallas Cowboys are going to finish 14 and three. And if that gives them the one seed, great. And if it doesn't, so be it. Tony Catalina, you're one last thought. All eyes on a calf. <laughs> yeah, let's let's get this through this bye week. Let's keep that boot in there. Keep it on. I know he's beating Micah in trash basketball, but like you know, it's a little less jumper, maybe a little more free throw shots. Tony brought us all back down to earth. Respect. We oh, got a wow. little off Thanks, our skis, Tony. but <laughs> Tony, Tony you know, grounded <laughs> us. Uh, Tom, your one last thought. Make it great. Make it incredible. Make it impeccable. Make it memorable forever. Oh, thank and you. And use momentum. <laughs> yeah. No, no, thank you. Uh, just to borrow from something I, I put down earlier uh, this week, the Cowboys not only can win the easy games, they can win the ugly ones too. And that could go a long way down the stretch. Mm. well said by our entire panel you can hear all of their voices on the blog and the boys podcast network subscribe or available wherever you get your podcast leave a rating write a review tom is on twitter at tom ryle btb tony is on twitter at tony underscore catalina the only one of us that has an underscore because he felt like doing that sturch is on twitter at dave sturchio i am on twitter at rj ochoa sturch the last word one last word belongs to you make it good momentum <laughs> Yes. <laughs> we'll see you next time, everybody. <laughs>